On this week's episode of the Horror Pod Class, we're talking about pumpkin spice lattes, of course, effigy burning, Cervantes fanfic erotica, and and horror movie sequels. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Horror Pod Class. I'm your co-host, Tyler Runcel, and during the day, I am a regular teacher. But at night, I talk about the scholastic side of horror with uh, my buddy here, Mike, who has started a company, Signal Horizon, a company devoted to uh, the academic side of all things spooky. So, as I'm getting ready for Halloween, that's two weeks away, Michael... In Ecuador, do they celebrate Halloween? Is it scary? Uh, is Ecuador as scary generally as living in the United States lately? <laughs> well, they do. They do celebrate Halloween in, in Ecuador. Uh, a lot less trick-or-treating, but uh, the interesting thing is that on New Year's, they do a thing called uh, uh, Año Viejo, which is uh, means old year, and everyone burns an effigy. It's pretty darn cool. Of something specific? Are they really burning an effigy? An effigy of what? Of anything. Of like uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, Ronald McDonald. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? A cowboy. Um, something, right? And they, you know, there's a whole little cottage industry that, that makes these things. And then on New Year's, you take them out and you light them up. Hey, interesting. I would love to get a hold of like, what's the most popular... You know, effigy that's bought at Walmart, you know, like, <laughs> oh, shit, we sold out of Donald Trump's this year. Or, you know, like, oh, oh, my gosh, Steve Jobs is going through the roof. You know, like, <laughs> uh, who decides that? That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm going to I'm going to burn an effigy this year on New Year's and hope I don't get arrested. How about that? <laughs> Probably a bad idea. Anyways, I'm your co-host, Mike, <laughs> former history teacher and lovable effigy arsonist. Today, we're going to be talking about talking about sequels which I, in general, have very mixed opinions of. But before we get there, Tyler, what you reading, what you watching, most importantly, what you drinking? Hey, man, I got two weeks left of October, so I'm going to drink every goddamn Oktoberfest I can find. So I'm drinking Sam Adams' uh, Oktoberfest. It's not as good as Bob's, but it's, uh, you know, it's okay. What have I been reading? Well, I've been making my way through... uh, Volume 8 of uh, The Best Horror of the Year, edited by Ellen uh, Datlow. And there are a couple of stories that have really stood out that I absolutely love. One is The Indian Giver by Ray Kaluuya. Did I say that right? Kalu? Kalui? Kalui? I think that's right. Anyway, it was just Indian... Kluy. Kluy. All right. That sounds right. That sounds right. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Uh, I've, I felt like when I started that story, it might have been a little exploit, uh, like exploitative. But by the end, man, just a, a really great haunting story generally Hmm. and the other one uh that i'll briefly mention but i don't want to talk too much about because i still have a few pages left but it's uh all the day you'll have good luck by kate jones and it's the first thing i've ever read by her and i absolutely adore it it's set in a small town in oklahoma and i visited uh, a ton of small towns in like southeast kansas which is not entirely too far from oklahoma to begin with so i love the atmosphere I love the main characters. She, I think, is a brilliant writer. So, I am also through episode five of The Haunting of Hill House. Have you started that yet, Mike? 
I have not, but I've heard a lot of kind of mixed opinion. I've heard a lot of opinions in general about it. Uh, yeah. what, what do you think? I will tell you the first three episodes a little slow. Okay. The uh, episode four and five really, really strong, really powerful. I'm dying to get through. Everybody says, you know, if you like the series, they say it kind of peaks at episode six. So uh, we'll probably get to it sometime tomorrow. But I'm, I'm super, super jazzed about finishing it out. But generally speaking, I, I think they've done a very, very nice job with it. So real, real briefly, uh, I was at Oren Gray's book signing where he gave a great little 15-minute lecture on the classic horror movie Black Sunday. Learned a whole mm. lot about it. I had never seen it before. It's uh, They do some really cool things with makeup that... Uh, with lighting and all that kind of jazz, you didn't have a ton of practical effects that worked as cool as, you know, obviously they do now. So they did a ton with that. But what am I most excited about? Michael, the horror pod class is going to be at, uh, afterward, afterward books and, uh, or it's, uh, afterward cocktails and it's afterward tavern and shelves. There you go. <laughs> I was gonna Man. mix them all together. I'm I'm, I'm two thousand miles away, and I know. Hey, this. you got it. I know <laughs> you're gonna drink through me there. But we have our first uh, our first ever trivia there. So come do deep cuts with us at afterward. It's gonna be a hoot. We're gonna give away a ton of prizes, ton of the books, and a ton of the movies we've kind of accrued over the last year. And it'll be a great way to celebrate. So come celebrate the season, win some gifts, and have some drinks at afterward. So. Of course, there'll be a link in the show notes. I do want to throw out uh, Ray Cluley has got an excellent, excellent short story called The Whaler's Song in uh, The Devil in the Deep, which is, good. It is fantastic. And uh, you ought to read it next. Hey, by the way, we're giving away a copy of that book as part of the oh, prize pack no. at Deep Cuts. Yeah, well, hey, make make sure, make sure you, uh, you know, read it before you... <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Like I, I think, I think I have read almost everything in that because I've okay. I used some of it at Zombie One Hundred One and some other stuff. So oh okay, it's All a right. it's a really strong anthology for sure. Mm-hmm. And we'll put a link to the show no- in uh, the show notes to a review that I wrote for about that about nine months ago. It's a yeah. it's a fanta- it's fantastic. And so right now I'm actually I just get, got my copy of Ellen Datlow's Best of the Best Horror of the Year. Yeah. And it is, uh, haven't started it yet. I think I've read pretty much everything in there, but I got to have it because I'm a completionist. I got to have, I got to have, I got to have all 10 and I got to have, uh, best of the best. Uh, I'm, I think I might have a complete set. A bunch of my books are in storage, so I don't, I don't really know. But when I get on, when I get back to the States and I unpack all my stuff, I'll, I'll see where I'm at and I'll probably have to pick up two or three. Um, Right now, I've been I've been going back and rereading some of uh, Jeff and Ann Vandermeer's uh, *The Weird*, a compendium of uh, weird fiction. Ah, cool. That is that is a fantastic, fantastic. It, it's like a reference for all that is weird. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're into weird fiction, you just uh, you just got to have a copy of it. Um, other than that, man, I'm 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 trying to stay away from the TV. I'm trying to stay away from the Facebooks. I'm trying to stay away from the iPads. I'm just reading and reading and reading books to uh, review out there on Signal Horizon. But uh, won't tell you about any of those until I'm done and I've made some conclusions, formulated some opinions. Oh, shoot. Michael's got yeah. opinions. I've got opinions. 
All right, buddy, we're uh, Dark Corners of the Web. What have we got? Uh, what have we got this week? Yeah, uh, one of our very kind fans sent us a copy of a short that showed up first on Crypt TV. It's called The Tormentor, and you know it's a short, so we're not going to give away too much of the plot. But they do some really interesting stuff with the camping story, you know, the kind of camping narrative that we've seen about a gazillion times before. This is pretty unique. It builds tension really well and ultimately captures why in the back of my brain, I would love to hike the Appalachian Trail, but I will never fucking do that because <laughs> I'm going to get out in the middle of the woods and I'm going to be scared to death. Somebody's going to kill me. So yeah, check out, it's called The Tormentor and you can find it. We'll include a link here on the show notes, but you can find it on YouTube now. So, but it got its original play on Crypt TV. Awesome. Yeah. And if you, if uh, any of our listeners have got some stuff that we've just got to see, or we've got to read, or you want to tell us about, or you just got ideas, or maybe you've got opinions too, head on over. I'll put a link in the, in the show notes to our Facebook group. You can head on over there and, uh, you know, leave us a message. We'll, we'll, we'll chit chat with you. And uh, we'll also put a link to our Twitter. Cause I guess we tweet. You tweet. Yeah, dude. Right? We we tweet like we tweet like mugs. No, like uh <laughs> we, we we will answer uh most of our Facebook and Twitter stuff pretty quick. Or if you want to drop us an email, you can certainly uh drop either one of us an email. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that's how we got a copy of that short was that uh somebody sent you an email. So Tyler yeah. well, at signalhorizon.com or Mike at signalhorizon.com and we're totally there. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a link in the show notes to um, the Tormentor and some of the other Crypt TV stuff. It is really, really good. Uh, great, uh, I, I want to say great production values, but I'm not. I'm not sure if it really cost them that much. It, it, these are these are guys that are just working um, at a really high level, doing these shorts. Yeah. So it. it yeah. You, no. You I need to check I, out. I think it's it's fair to say uh, high level because I think it's absolutely. They look clean. They don't look uh, thrown together. They they clearly are professionals in their craft. So, mm-hmm. yep. And in in much the same way, we love short fiction. The there is such great work being done in short film. That's how so many of these uh, directors that we really love have gotten their start. So, we have both talked about committing ourselves more towards getting into the kind of short film um you know critique business because we you know there's so much cool stuff out there so look for that as we get more and more involved Mm -hmm. and uh i have one more can i have one more dark corner mike sure sure we can have as many dark corners as we want sweet i know you you have lots of dark corners (laughs) uh so a special shout out to Books in the Freezer podcast. They have a Halloween episode that is the absolute, I, I mean, it, it is super fun and I think covers all the really good stuff that you should be listening to around the Halloween season. And it is a podcast devoted just to books. We like to talk about books at the beginning and then kind of talk about movies because there's a, a lot to talk about in the horror genre. But if you wanted something very specific to that, give them a give them a listen. I think you'll appreciate kind of lighthearted nature that they have and their inclusion of kind of lesser known but popular authors. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And I will uh, throw out one of the one of the books they talk about in their Halloween episode is an anthology that it's edited by Paula Garan that uh, has a Thomas Ligotti story in it. Oh, you asshole! Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, books in the freezer. You're mm. never going to get a mention again because Michael is obsessed with Thomas Ligotti. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Shut well, n- 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 now that we've got my uh, my obligatory mention of Thomas Ligotti out of the way, Tyler, what is our essential question for today? The essential question for today, Michael. We are two days away from the kind of sequel of the year, I think, so... Why are there so many damn horror sequels? Like, seriously, why, why are there so many of these movies out there? All right. That's, that's, that's a it. Good, that's, a, that's a good question. That, that's a good question because I, I think I will contend that uh, some speculative fiction genres like fantasy, science fiction, where world building and epic story arcs are the norm – uh, sequels really fit. Sequels make a lot of sense there, right? Sure. Um, they, they, they do. Um, but sequels don't necessarily fit into the traditional horror narrative, which is typically much shorter. It's typically not what I think you technically call second world, right? So second world is like, uh, uh, it's like uh, another world, right? We, we just made up another planet, like um, Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones is not on Earth, right? So they it's all made from scratch. Most Shut horror your is... mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Game of Thrones is on Earth. It's in it's in Australia. Clearly. No, so, so... sorry for her Australian <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> so so what so what, what what I'm getting at is that since most horror takes place in our regular kind of world, the 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 world building and those epic kind of epicness really you know doesn't doesn't really fit as much. So uh I buy it. And, and I think that, that horror is just, you know, goes back to that kind of campfire tale, shorter's better. And man, when you when you stretch it out to, you know, a, a multi, you know, series, nine part, or God, or God forbid, something that is just never going to end, right? Something that is just will continue in perpetuity till it quits making money. That's not really... We're, you know. we're looking at you, Saw franchise. We're looking at you. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just not conducive for 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 good horror. And I I, I think that uh, it, it does bear kind of mentioning that a lot of horror films, uh, some do you know you know some of the endings get changed so that there is a sequel possible, which oh, of really course. really kind of stinks. So yeah, so uh, let's do this before we get into talking about specific movies. Let's ring the spoiler bell so we can kind of talk. We're going to concentrate. We're going to spoil everything for you. Yep. And we're going to concentrate mostly on the Halloween franchise. So we might throw in a few others, uh, but we'll talk about them on the bumper so that you know uh, (laughs) not to be spoiled by these movies. So go watch them uh, before we get there. So ring that bell, Mikey. All righty. I think most of them are kind of kind of kind of pretty old, pretty old too. But sure. you know, we've got so so. Let's start talking about some of the reasons why, um, why there's so why there's just so many of them. I think I think I think we've got some some things we're going to talk about that are going to be very kind of kind of obvious, and some that maybe not so obvious. So, what's your first reason, Tyler? So 
I have broken down my taxonomy, I think, into three main reasons. Here are the three compelling reasons why I think we keep getting horror sequels. Number one, probably the biggest, hands down, uh, most popular, they make a buttload of money. Mm-hmm. So using Halloween as a franchise, the first one, the, the first Halloween just made an absolute ton of money. Produced in 1978, initially to mixed reviews, and then eventually to really awesome reviews, like the word of mouth, the evolution of Halloween and Michael Myers as kind of the movie to see, made that movie a ton of money. So they immediately turned around and in 1981 produced Halloween 2. So we already start to see them trying to capitalize on this thing that's going to make more and more money. And then uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, the ones that uh, essentially wrote and, you know, Carpenter obviously directed the franchise decided to try to tell a different story in Halloween three. And that's more or less the reason why that we didn't get a bunch of Halloween sequels in like 1983 and 84 and 85 and 86 because like that movie just wasn't that popular. But in 88 and 89, we got two more sequels that continue to make money. But the movie, uh, the fifth movie, like kind of fell off a cliff when it came to, to bringing in ton at the box office. So again, we get kind of a six or seven year hiatus where we don't get any more Michael Myers. So if you look at the kind of ebb and flow of those movies, they respond to the idea that they're just trying to get butts in seats. They're just trying to make money. And I made fun of the Saw franchise before, but it's the God's honest truth. Those movies have a production budget that is not astronomical, and they're guaranteed to make you good money at the box office. So why wouldn't a business produce those films? So... I guess I, I guess I've never really seen it kind of put this way. I didn't I didn't realize first off that the Halloween movies that the the sequels came in such close succession. Yeah. First off, and then and then that 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 lull when they got one that didn't make any money. Um, right. Yeah. Huh. That is that well, is that is that is super interesting. Huh. Well, and, and a special shout out to um, one of the stars of. Halloween Curse of Michael Myers, Paul Rudd uh, was actually one of the main dudes in the 1995 movie. And that was kind of the comeback, right? They were they tried to make it work uh, and it still didn't make any money. Mm -hmm. So then we saw them bring back Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween H2O. And then we got these the god awful Halloween resurrection. And I what I think is most fascinating about looking at that like history you have this middle uh, like part of the franchise that you know maybe we'll call it the apocrypha because it's all going to be forgotten because the newest halloween movie is going to treat those movies like it's not canon like they never happened yeah i mean but when i remember watching halloween movies and it really was like the canon was not that important Nobody is going to go to the internet and fight over Halloween canon like they will Star Wars canon. So I, I mean, yes and no. Like I, I agree, right? 
I think the the big outlier there is Halloween H duo. We already saw Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strobe. We already saw Josh Hartnett. I'm pretty sure as her son. I think that's who played that. Jesus, that dates that movie and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you can't just like pretend like that never happened. Like we've already we've already had this confrontation. It's already like been a thing. So to erase that movie and be like, uh, psych, <laughs> you know, seems pretty rich. So what you're saying is that this new Halloween movie is just a reboot of Halloween H2O? I like, I think it is much closer to that. I'm dead serious. Huh. So well, let's, I, let's call it H4O or something. H4. Call it good. Um, why, you know, it actually would be. H four O because it's to be to be fair. I think, I think I saw I, I saw somebody say that on Facebook. So I'm, that is not an unsold original. Oh but well, you know what you, would make more it, sense. Hey, nobody's got trademarks to just crap that they spew on the internet. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank goodness. Then we would not have a show. We yeah. would have got sued a long, a long, long time ago. <laughs> so I mean, clearly, clearly right. Clearly, it's making money, but I, I think maybe a little bit. We got to go a little bit further. Why does it keep putting butts in seats, right? Why? Like, why, why, why? I mean, why? Why do people see? Like, do they feel? Uh, do they feel like they know what they're going to get? Partially, maybe. Yeah. All right. So, reason number one explains why studios do it, right? So, reason number two, I think, explains more why the audience goes to it. And I'm going to argue here as uh, IO9 kind of hints at. They have an article that says the reason why we keep making sequels. uh, That nostalgia acts like a drug. And once we get to know characters and once we get to know settings, they feel familiar to us. Mm -hmm. And in that context, we like to return to them. Especially especially when we spent a long time away from them. So using that kind of backdrop that I gave you about the Halloween movies and their years, you see the studio executives understanding that. And that's why we have six, seven, eight years apart between some of these movies because they allow us time to miss those particular characters and return back to those settings. Hmm. I'll kind of buy. I'll kind of buy that. I'll kind of buy that. Maybe, maybe we should look at some of the outliers because sequels okay. are not always good, right? But what Truth. are what are in not just in the horror genre, but what what do you think are some of like the strongest like sequels that there have been? Maybe even better than the original horror movies, horror movies, or or other movies, whatever. I mean, you mentioned Star Wars before. There are some. Star Wars purists that you know have that fight. I think on a pretty regular basis. Well, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit against against Star Wars because oh. I think that if you've got a uh, well, I'm not gonna talk specifically against Star Wars, so don't don't run out to your internet just yet. Oh my God. All right, right, Jesus um, Christ. I think it's different when you have everything already kind of written or planned out, right? Like, Star Wars was, from the beginning, going to be a trilogy, right? Wasn't right. It? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. 
um, or, or at least have that kind of in mind, right? It's different when you just have, 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 have done one movie and it's like, oh, it made money. Oh, well, okay, let's get another one. Let's get a different writer. Let's get maybe a different director. Let's just, you know, whatever, you know, let's just crap out another movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like there was a plan. So that reminded me of... <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Yeah, a plan. Yeah. Yeah. I Like, I, I totally think that you're, you're on to something in the context of if you were to name sequels that you think are, are really excellent, they are all stories that, that are all films that already have a built-in story. So Star Wars, as a great example, uh, a much smaller uh, example, I really enjoyed... Um, the second Hellboy. Did you see that? Uh, maybe on an airplane. Yeah, the second Hellboy, I, I actually think it's much better than the first because hmm. they've kind of ironed out some of the kinks of uh, the the individual characters. and I, But that comes from source material from the comics. So it's mm-hmm. like stuff that exists already. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, the other so, ex- go ahead. What, what about Aliens? Yeah, I don't know if it's better than the first, but I definitely think it's good. I mean, it's strong, right? I mean, yes, I, 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 don't think, so. I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know, if you're going to if you're going to point at some garbage in the Alien franchise, it's probably not going to be one or two. Let's yeah. just put it that way. So, no, no, I'm with you. But, but you, but part of I think what makes it so strong is that they came at it from like a completely different angle. Exactly. Know? Yeah. And so here's something that you that you know that you're kind of familiar with that's scary, but it's going to be this is totally different because we got marines and we got machine guns and we got space grenades or whatever uh so there's that yeah no i'm 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 100% with you probably um the the best known example uh would be like what the godfather 2 right yeah godfather 2 i think and it it goes back to the fact that that was a built-in that's a built-in story you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's not it's not them trying to retcon like people that died into living longer, you know, whatever. It's a continuation of a story that is not finished or a completely different story. Yeah. Okay. I'll believe Makes it. Sense? I'll believe it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to talking about crappy ones though. Yes. Crappy, um, crappy sequels. So I'm going to call this a crappy sequel while acknowledging it is really fun but one of those really tired hackneyed franchise movies would be the final destination movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that that one suffers from what a lot of horror franchises get into, which is one upsmanship. Right? Yeah. Right. Be- it, final it becomes infinitely regressive. Yeah. 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 Final destination. Like, how do you out? Well, we got to outdo the last final destination movie. We got to do something better. We, we got the kills got to be better. You know? Um, yeah. Do you remember the, uh, Hellraiser movies? Yeah. Yeah. Some I of, actually think those might be examples of franchises. At least the first couple are, are franchise movies that get better. I like the first uh, one, but I think the second one's pretty darn strong too. Uh, no. Do you do you remember one the one where the where the 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 Cenobite the Cenobites were like they were like cool eighties Cenobites and like one of them like had a like a CD player in his mouth or something. It was it's really lame. It's really lame. There was some there was some. I think you're talking. I could totally. 
Is that I think you are talking about Hellraiser three, which has the statue, and there's lots of weird shit. Yes, there. Yeah. And the statues in the in a uh, like it has literally been twenty years, at least. But the statue is in a club, and the club <laughs> owner is kind of yes. vaguely into S yeah. and M, and yeah. like yeah, yeah. Like, that's not we, great. We, we used to go to that club in college. I remember. <laughs> Yo, shit. Like you yeah. ever went to a goddamn club. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, the, uh, the Pillar of Souls. Yeah. That was the name of the go. club. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It just happened to have a statue that was also a Pillar of Souls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that you, that you kind of hit on something that's really interesting, though. Particularly when it comes to horror movies, you have this... the the this idea that there's a very small story either has to be completely retold in which case it's boring or you have to increase the level in which like it, it, it impacts more people or more people yes. are exposed to it. Exactly. So case the, in point. Okay. Right? Jason takes Manhattan shit. Oh, now God. he's not just at crystal Lake. Now he's in Manhattan, right? And he's going to go to space soon, too. Right, right. And Manhattan wasn't big enough. Now he's taking all of space, right? Now it's Jason, you know, in space. And then then he goes to hell. No, he goes to hell long before he goes to space, friend. Oh, Oh, okay. All right. So Hellraiser goes to space, too. Yeah, dude, that movie was trash. It was yeah, not great. Yeah, that I was that like four or five. I don't know. Uh, yes, I, another bloodlines. I, I think. Is oh, the name bloodlines. Of that yeah, that that was yeah. wow. Good, good. Uh, I know. I'm pretty good. Good trivia there. Good trivia You're there. Pulling some shit out. Yeah. Yeah. You, use that. Use that at uh, deep cuts uh, horror trivia night. Yeah. So, right. uh, I think I think another example is uh, the the uh, Anne Rice interview with the vampire series. Right. Okay. You had this. You had this super strong, both novel and movie. Okay. Okay. And then, where do you go from there? Right. You got to kind of up the stakes. So, the next book in the franchise is is Lestat, the vampire right. Lestat. So you're going to tell his backstory. You're going to meet a whole lot more vampires. You're going to meet much more powerful vampires. You're going to understand more about vampires. But then, like the third book, which was like what was that Queen of the Damned? Yeah, right. Then then it's like they're flying jets all over the world and now you meet the first vampire and like all of the really cool like kind of mystery gets lost because it got too big. Right? It's no yeah. longer the small the small and in the first the first movie I think and the first book I think are really kind of at their core kind of horror stories and then they're just kind of not, right? And of yeah. course they didn't they didn't you know, the sequels didn't do very. I don't. I don't. I don't think they made a vampire Lestat. I think they skipped right to Queen of the Damned, and I think, and it was did yeah. not do well. Yeah. Well, and I believe uh, part of the reason why that movie didn't do well, and like some of the the weird stuff around it, I think Aaliyah played Queen of the Damned, and she like died in a plane crash, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then they and then they had some to go put her back shit. in later. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So back to nostalgia, right? We yes. want we want to go back. We want we want to see more of our vampires. We want to see more of the stacks, right? Right. So so we're gonna okay. I'll be, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. We want to see we and here's the thing, we want to see more of our favorite characters, but a we need a new reason to see them, because let's face it, 
yes, maybe I've seen the original Halloween 50 times, but when I tell people that and they're not into horror, they get really weirded out, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, but if it's a new movie, then I have an excuse to go to the movies. And, you know, the bottom line is I, even if I love the original, I would love to see those characters take new adventures to do new things. And when it comes to the power of nostalgia, it also allows me to connect with other generations. So my 11 year old loves horror films now, right? He is dying to get me uh, to take him to this new Halloween movie. And, you know, he is essentially the same age I was when I saw the original. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of cross generational experience that I think I can appreciate. And I think in that context, sequels maybe have more value than we give them credit. I think that's possible. I think that they lose some of that value kind of later, though, because like, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, he'll he'll probably like this one. Right. But if you like sat him down with like all of them and you just like binge watched like every one of them, like the difference between Halloween two and Halloween three and Halloween four probably be lost on him because it's like part of their value was that this is the new Halloween thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's the reason why you can't binge like a Saw movie, right? If it is an annual thing that they come out, mm-hmm. you know, like, Jesus, there are so many, like, hands get trapped in a razor blade cage and <laughs> dude's penis gets burnt off. You yeah. know, like, like there's there's only so many of those movies that you can watch in a row until yeah. you're like, I get it, I get it, yeah. right? So I, I think not made to be binged, maybe. Yeah. So uh, I will I will um, point you to to a link called uh, at a website called consequenceofsound.net and it's an article entitled "Why So Sequel: The Endless Nightmare of Horror Franchises." It's in oh, general right. it's in general really good. They they point out a couple of things that um, the horror sequel is not new, right? That Universal was doing it way back with Universal Monsters, right? Truth, and um, that and I've got I've got to put this in. This is not in their article, but this is just my just my own thing. I got I got I got got to talk about this. The sequel sequel to Don Quixote. Have you ever heard the story behind it? Uh, I I knew that there was a sequel. I don't know if I necessarily knew the story. Don Quixote is by Cervantes, right? Is the first example of I think what you could later call it's like it's almost like a proto postmodern novel. Okay, and here's why. He writes it. It becomes wildly popular when, at a time when books and novels and stuff were like not really like super widely read. This one was. So after he wrote it, there was no kind of like intellectual property laws or anything like that. People started writing sequels to his book sure. and making money off of it, right? Without him, right? So a couple years later, he was like, fuck all this shit. He goes back. He writes a sequel. The authoritative sequel. And at the very beginning of the book, Don Quixote is talking to a guy. And the guy is like recounting stuff that Don Quixote did in the unofficial sequels. And Don Quixote was like, no, 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 no. None of that crap happened. That was written by a bunch of jackholes. Here's what really happened. And then he tells him a whole new story. That is, but think about how like postmodern that, that's something that like, you know, a movie nowadays would pull and it would be cool. Right, uh, that what you described is exactly what they have done with the Halloween movie, right? Like all of that shit that you've seen 
all of that shit that you saw before now doesn't count, right? Like, essentially, all all Cervantes is doing is establishing a canon of uh, Don Quixote stories, right? And yeah, that uh, you know, like a super creative and really interesting. That's the first inc- incidence of retconning, unless you count some of the stuff that happened with the Bible, but we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about, um, but, but what am I, uh, my big issue was when Cervantes did that, uh, what the hell was I supposed to do with all of my, uh, weird Don Quixote (laughs) fanfic porn that I had written? (laughs) Like they involved (laughs) like, uh, windmills and all kinds of shit. And now I, now I, I, it didn't happen and I'm very disappointed. (laughs) Oh, Sancho. Oh, Sancho. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm, 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 I'm looking here, Tyler. Um, <laughs> it looks like we have another reason, right? Yes. Reason number three, the myth of the built-in audience. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a really interesting article this time from Cracked that we should spend a lot of time talking about. But the the argument that they offer in they actually offer a number of arguments in, in Cracked, but the one that I thought was really the most interesting was the idea that when you have a sequel, you have this built-in audience of fans that will automatically come back uh, to watch whatever the newest updated version of it is. And the Cracked article does, I think, does a pretty good job of explaining why that's true in some cases. But in some cases, like you can fatigue an audience, or like an audience just stops giving a shit about the characters because there isn't enough of the plot development to get people to come back to it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought of was the Han Solo movie. Like that movie tanked because nobody gave a shit about it mm. because. That there wasn't enough done to like maybe create heart or maybe like we have just reached peak Star Wars and that built in audience is starting to grow fatigued and essentially is starting to go away. So reason number three, a studio looks and says, like, let's make a sequel. You know that there's going to be a specific number of people that are going to go see the the newest, newest, you know, alien movie, if we just call it whatever it is. Mm hmm. And that's true on one hand, but definitely not true on the other. Yeah, I'm 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 always wondering when we're gonna when we're gonna reach peak superhero movie. Exactly. Because, yeah, you know, and and it just it, I understand the sequels in superhero movies. I I understand them because that's the way the comics are, right? A comic is meant to be just it can go on ad infinitum, right? Mm-hmm. You can, uh, you know. Superman has another adventure today. Maybe that adventure yesterday impacts one today. Probably not. You know, maybe maybe Superman dies. Bring him back to life. You know, maybe right. there's another Superman. Oh, do you remember the time there was a Mecha Superman? No, nobody remembers that. Well, it was, you know. And it just, just kind of this infinite kind of thing that can just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. So I understand the sequel in the superhero movies. Yeah, I just well, don't. It, I just don't get it in horror movies. Like, I think it. I think it. I think it works within the environment of a superhero movie or a comics kind of based movie, but maybe not. Maybe not for a horror movie. Well, I think people are not wrong that there are beloved. I mean, there are beloved horror monsters. I think 
If any studio made a new Nightmare on Elm Street with a Freddy Krueger that looked vaguely like the old Freddy Krueger, you are going to get people that go to that movie. The The trick is, the question is, are, are you going to get more people than if you created a new IP? You know, if you created something new that engaged the audience, that acted as its own you know, lantern that would show them this new position, this new, this new type of art. And mm-hmm. it, I think what it does is create studios that are really risk adverse because they know that they can get this low hanging fruit. They know that they can get you know, you know that a saw franchise movie is going to make $60 million. So let's make it, let's release it during this unpopular time and at least make some money off of it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do, I do agree with you that, and it's so interesting about Hollywood, you know, for a, 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 a group of people that is so, so maligned as being like super liberal, very, very conservative when it comes to uh, the formula by which they run their businesses, right? Yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that, like, they're in it to make money, you know? So they're not going to take gigantic chances. So I, I think you can call this, like, three subset A if you wanted to. But I I found the really interesting part of that Cracked article was the idea that part of the reason why they rushed these sequels to an audience is because they're worried about losing access to that IP. So they, they, they they may lose the ability to make that sequel at some point in time, unless they make that film. So they're continually going to make a movie in that vein so that they don't lose access to that IP. Cause that's part of the way that intellectual property works. So, you, you will see these movies that like pop up every and I don't uh, I'm not a lawyer so I don't actually know what it is but you know we might get a born legacy movie like every three and a half years so they don't lose access to that particular uh, intellectual property oh well I, I mean it's it's pr- it's probably not in the intellectual property like laws because I think you get like 75 years. You get something like super, super long, but it's probably like that studio has a contractual agreement with whoever owns the rights, right? Exactly. And yeah. and, and and they say like, okay, so we're going to do this movie and like maybe we'll get the option of doing a sequel within the next X years or whatever. So then they got to use it. Yeah, I understand that. That's uh, boy, that's kind of, that's kind of crummy. That and, oh, that, and that's super crummy. And, and it kind of, and it kind of stinks, man. When you see a franchise that, you really like, or you just even kind of like, I mean, like I, I, I liked the original Hellraiser movie. Um, I like in general, Clive Barker's work, but to see that, that IP just like circle the drain and eventually be just direct to DVD release, you know, at the end was kind of, I mean, it's kind of sad, right? So I think, I think it's absolutely sad. I, I, and I think that, in some level, that may be why we are, and I'm, I, you know, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm having difficulty coming up with a new killer, a new slasher, a new villain, if you will, that kind of has as much cultural relevance 
and, and kind of cultural zeitgeist or whatever as like Freddie, Jason, and Michael, right? Like you have that, that holy trinity that kind of came about at the same time. And we don't have a ton of that new stuff. And some of that is because it's 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 being killed by the the old stuff, you know. And that I think uh, no, ahead. no, I, 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 I totally I totally think you're right. And I think that there's a there I think there's probably a lot of people that consciously you know think about some like really good horror movies you've seen. I think that there's probably like a conscious effort to like not be part of the sequel mill. Yeah. Right. Well, and and it. It gets back to maybe three subset B then, (laughs) which is it is so much more work for a studio to publicize new intellectual property than it is to publicize something that is old. Like they just have to dust off like like the playbook, right? Like, oh, shit, here's the Saw movie. All right, let's dust off our... Um, advertisements and, and, you know, somehow make a saw blade look like the number 13, you know, or whatever mm. one they're on. And yeah. they, well, they and, have a pathway. Yeah. And, and I imagine they have to spend less in marketing or their marketing is more effective. Right. And it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, I mean, I guess when you're like making a regular product or you're making a car or something like that, like marketing is kind of like tacked on, like, you know, like additional thing that you do at the end with a movie. I mean, the marketing budget is a significant fraction. It is not a nominal part of right. the overall budget of the movie. It's huge. And right. if you if they don't if they don't do marketing, a movie's not going to do well. Like flat yeah. out. Yeah. And that's why I think that the real innovation in horror right now are done by these kind of smaller budget production companies like Blumhouse that invest very little in the production of the film, probably, you know, spend a a fair amount of marketing, but it doesn't matter if it it fails. They're not, it's not that big of risk. So they can take some chances, they can do some things, and they Mm -hmm. can be more experimental. So that's why uh, my claim is going to be, it's both why Blumhouse is good and bad is they <laughs> create a shit ton of new uh, movies with new ideas, and then they see what sticks, and then they mine the hell out of its value for, you know, uh, sequels and, and, you know, worlds that they can build upon movies yeah. to create more of those franchises. The yeah, Purge well, uh, is a great, a great example. So, I mean, do you think there's going to be a... Uh... Get out to get outer. Uh, no, but I mean, they, you know, they, they have already contacted the director, right? Jordan Peele. And he's going to direct a, another movie that is a horror thriller that probably is, you know, smart. Right. Nope. So oh, it's, okay. it's not a direct sequel, okay. but they're going to mine the things that made that movie so badass to make another movie that's badass. And in that context, I'm, I'm down for that. Like, I'm cool for that. Also, mm-hmm. like, my critique of their business model doesn't mean that those movies aren't good, right? I, I reviewed for Signal Horizon the newest Purge movie, and I liked it. It's a good movie. 
mm-hmm. you know, but they are absolutely doing the same thing that other production companies have, which is, you know, continually make money in the same, you know, in, in the same universe because you're going to be able to make a ton of money off of it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, so essentially what, what it all comes back to is there are economic drivers for, yep. for this to happen. Um, I do want to bring up just very, very briefly a trend that I've noticed in self-published and Kindle Unlimited horror on Amazon is that okay. it's like one, it, like this is book two of a five book series. Like what? Like yeah. it seems like everything is part of that. And the reason for it is the market, right? This is the way that um, a lot of the, the self-published marketing gurus are telling people like, oh, well, you can't just write a novel, right? You got to write a five-parter, right? And then you give the first two away. And then once you have some people hooked, then you start charging them for number three. And that's where you make your money. Also, the more books that you have on Amazon, the better you rank in their algorithm or whatever. So... Again, I mean, there's just kind of this thing that happens, and it, cre- it 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 forces commercial art into this mold. Whether that mold is good for the audience, the uh, the the content creator, the art form itself, yeah, they yeah. just forces it into this this kind of thing uh, without with no. Rhyme or reason. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. We'll feel, yeah. we'll feel good. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're, you're a hundred percent right that. And I, and I'll throw this out there. All right. I'll throw this out there. Did you know that game of Thrones was originally a short story? It was originally conceived as a short story. Really? And in, 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 in his mind, he started with, um, they find the direwolf cubs and it was going to be the story about the direwolf cubs and he was kind of working with it working with and he said at some point he's like you know what i think there's more here i'm going to write a novel and then it just kind of grew and spun out of control on that but he didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't, he was like i'm going to write a nine part fantasy novel and it's going to right. you know i mean oh, it fun. started it's going to be I mean, this epic that I never finish. Yeah, yeah. It starts it starts small. He and he he's a great writer of um of short fiction as well. I'm I'm a big yeah. fan of his of his of his short fiction. So Well, and that's the thing is to kind of bring things full circle, I think with you know, big broad franchises and our love of short fiction. We have always maintained on the Horror Pod class and at Signal Horizon, when you as an artist put yourself in a box and give yourself these artificial limitations, sometimes that can breed the most beautiful, cool, innovative, progressive art. And the idea that a franchise without boundaries that goes on infinitely, like some of these do, it's the exact opposite. It's almost like this unfettered freedom creates this very regimented box that every mm. single one of those movies fits into. So mm. it's like all the freedom in the world creates this this 
sell that the that the movie creators will never be able to get out of. You know, like the 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 Final Destination movies are never going to be more than a bunch of really terrible ways that teenagers die until they realize they're being killed in the same order that they would die in the original film or, you know, in the mm-hmm. original accident. So I, I, I love the idea that like, you know, you have two hours to tell a story, not an infinite ad- amount of time to tell the same story, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, or try to like relive like saw franchise where they try to relive that like mind blowing moment where like you figure out what's going on in the first movie. Like you ain't, you ain't get, yeah. getting that back ever again. Right. That was a, right. that was a thing that happened once and you're not going to get it back in before we go. I've got to throw kind out. of like, kind of like Kira Yule's leg, right? <laughs> Never going to get that back again. <laughs> Never going to get it back. <laughs> I got to throw out reason number four. Reason okay. number four. Get it. All right. We've talked a lot. We've talked, we talked a lot about the marketing, right? And about the studios. I think that there was something about ho- the horror sequel that audiences enjoy. I, and not just enjoy, crave. And I think it goes back to one of the reasons why we love horror. Okay. We like to be able to confront our fears in a relatively safe environment. Right. Sure. I mean, we can be scared, but it's like it, but it's a controlled scare. Okay. And we get to we get to feel that again and again. And what is more controlled than going to see another Friday the Thirteenth movie or another Halloween sure. movie? Right. Not only is it is it this experience of a of a horror movie that is a this controlled thrill where we get to face our fears a little bit, but hold on, we already know what our fears are. Right, we already know like what right. the bad guy is going to be. We already know kind of how it's going to end. We're just reliving it kind of one more time, right? We're practicing yeah. again, and um, in that, it's kind of like this, like like a reoccurring dream almost. Your mind just kind of working through it, and uh, I think yeah. that there's something that really kind of hits at our core in that in yeah. in the, in the se- horror sequels kind of work in that way. I think in general they're garbage though. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. It, I think it reminds me of, and I'll have to dig it out. I'll, I'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes. There is a journal that when I was talking about the Friday the 13th series with uh, the Black Cat Shadow guy, he made the argument these franchise movies become ritual for us. They become oh. this shared communal ritual that us and a bunch of strangers, right, go to a movie with this shared expectation and that expectation is always met. You know, we, we know who the killer is. We know how he's going to kill people. We know exactly how he's going to be beat. And he is ultimately, you know, you know, beat by our heroine who then moves on with her life or whatever. Right. But this idea that the collective experience of watching a sequel becomes a ritual for every single one of us. I always found super compelling and interesting. Hmm. Wow, we should have led with that shit. We always lead with the wrong stuff. Yeah, we always bury the lead. I know, I know. Darn it, darn it. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. I see somebody in the back. We got anonymous Amazon user. What's oh. what's even what's he even talking about this week? Holy shit. He's trying to eat that note. Get that note out of his mouth. Fry his mouth open. All right, I got it. I got it. That mother trucker tried to bite me. Okay, Uh, reading around the slobber, he said, uh, 
Do not watch. So low budget. Women are played as weak. What what movie is this? This is Halloween. Sorry, the original Halloween. The original Halloween. The original. The original Halloween. All right. Halloween 1978. Okay. Uh, So low budget. Women are played as weak. Not worth 90 minutes of your time. In in believable storyline, I believe he meant unbelievable storyline. Mm-hmm. My list can go on and on. The acting is horrible. Also, not about Halloween at all. <laughs> there, there wasn't enough candy corn. Huh. I know, right? He's like, I wish there was more trick-or-treating. And I, I should point out, like, it does take place on Halloween, right? There is a fair amount of Halloween. So, yeah. But apparently not enough for this guy. Oh, boy. That's too bad. Hey, at least he didn't have any racial slurs. At least he didn't, you know, didn't, uh, you know, curse or in any other way make us write him up. So I guess he can stay for another day. He just he just didn't like the original Halloween. All right. I mean, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, there'll be there'll be another there'll be a gritty reboot around for your generation here coming up soon. There'll be a there'll be there'll be a millennial reboot with pumpkin spice lattes or whatever that'll be just your thing god jesus christ do you have your get off my lawn uh (laughs) sign there michael you sound like i'm just 700 years old i'm just i'm just i'm just sad i i don't i don't live anywhere close to where i can get pumpkin spice lattes tyler so what are we gonna be talking about next week yeah uh next week we are going to talk about children of the corn and why children freak us out so much that's awesome. That's we yeah. are gonna have to talk about that episode of uh, I think it was Outer Limits with the creepy kid that'll send you behind the behind the rows. Right? Oh, that's Twilight Zone. That's one of the Twilight original Zone. Twilight yeah, Zones. original Twilight Zone. Yeah, for what sure. A great one. Yeah. Hey, bottom line is uh, next week we get to talk about white kids suck. So <laughs> that'd be great. All right. Until next time, class dismissed. Class dismissed.